Now, time for McNamara on Money, sponsored by McNamara Financial Services. Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and I'll be your host for the next two hours. If you're a first-time listener, you need to know what this show is about. This is a call-in talk radio show. We hope that you call us. We don't give hot investment tips or predict where the stock market is going from here. Hot tips aren't a sensible way to invest your money, and nobody knows where the financial markets are going. We do talk about a wide range of topics related to personal finances, investments, and retirement planning. This is the important stuff. Major financial events and decisions you face in your life, birth of a child, death of a loved one, marriage, remarriage, divorce, college costs, retirement, changing jobs, living within your means, managing your debt, buying a home, refinancing, receiving an inheritance, investing, insurance, annuities. Second, you should know a little about me. McNamara Financial Services is a family business. The four of us are certified financial planner practitioners. We manage money for a fee. We provide retirement planning on an hourly basis for a fee to folks who need it. And we figure that's just about everybody. We always try to do what's best for our clients and we're into long-term client relationships. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers need to check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we might make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. This is the part where we have to say that investment returns are not guaranteed and that past performance does not guarantee future results. You probably know that, but we just wanted to make sure. So if you have a question for us, please give us a call at 781-837-4900. The only dumb question is the one that you don't ask. Good morning, Marshfield, and the rest of the South Shore of Boston. My name's Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. Um, let's see. We have a plan today, but before I announce the plan, let me introduce my co-host and bride of low these many years, Pamela. Good morning. and Good morning. Thank you for getting out of bed this morning <laughs> and to keep me company here. You're very welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, Pamela's going to be like the straight man and ask me questions, and I'm going to attempt... Oh, so you get all the jokes, huh? Uh, I, I, well, anytime, <laughs> anytime you'd like to criticize me, which, you know... No, not, no, not me. You're not, <laughs> you're not shy about doing, we can do that. Okay. So, folks, uh, here, here's the deal. Uh, the, the show in, is entitled Invest...
Pastor, Misperceptions, Mistakes, and Bad Habits. And the whole idea is that we're going to talk about some big picture important stuff uh, over the next uh, two hours, actually, about the first hour we'll kind of break up into what I'll call financial planning type investor misper- misperceptions, mistakes, and bad habits. And the second half will kind of relate to investing misperceptions, mistakes, and ba- bad habits. I kind of broke it up. Uh, and, and folks, um, this is something new. Uh, we, we are going to have this uh, show available as a podcast on our website. Uh, and we'll, we'll break it up into four distinct half-hour sessions so that people don't have to listen through a whole two hours at a time if they don't have any interest. So we're going to take this subject matter in like four pieces, so it'll be a little bit easier if anybody wants to tune into a podcast. And uh, I just love the idea of us podding, i got to tell yeah. you. you know, it, I'm, I'm, We're with the times here, no question about it. But anyway, so, so we'll break it up into what we think is digestible and relatively easy to listen to sections. And if you missed some of this or have a friend you'd like to uh, introduce uh, to the subject matter, you can go to our website, Magnum com and basically have at it. Okay, so the, the, so this particular podcast section I'm going to call podcast number one, Big Planning Mistakes. And so uh, my love of my life is going to ask me a bunch of questions, and uh, by the time we get to 8, holy, it's 8.08 already? Uh, no, it's 8, <laughs> it's 8.07. We only got, I thought we had X amount of minutes for each of these. All right, we're going to have to get going. Let's get started. Then. Yes, let's get started. Already. Okay. Big planning mistakes. First of all, uh, could you explain what a financial plan is? We hear a lot about that, but what is it? Yeah. Uh, the answer is yes, and I need the rest of the show to do that and okay. demonstrate. But the very short uh, response is it's a very fuzzy concept that a whole lot of people uh, don't comprehend, uh, and, and I'll try to do it as best as I can. Uh, in everybody's life, there are a variety of financially related issues that you have to deal with uh, and hopefully take care of to live your life now and be okay in retirement. And those general areas, I'll kind of put them out into general areas, uh, would be investing. So that That's certainly part of it. Okay. Uh, a second part is What's my life look like right now? Cash flow and my positive cash flow, negative cash flow. So investing in, in money, okay, uh, would, would be uh, start. start. Uh, but insurance is a financial issue. If you, you know you're in deep trouble if you don't have it and, uh, you know, some of your finances go away. Uh, and, uh, you know, we should probably pay attention to some tax-related issues as well. So so all of those... Uh, Interrelated th- th- things. That's right. And, and by the way, one, one more, uh, there are some legal uh, financial issues in your life with regard to your estate and planning and oh, all kinds of things. So So it's kind of a a woven tapestry, if you'll pardon my generic discussion, of a variety of different areas, all that relate to kind of finance. Uh, And the whole idea is that, you know, you you need to get a handle on that stuff to be okay now and to plan for the future. And two or three times a year we do a show here called Let's Do a Plan, and we do a live one so people can probably understand that, and there's a couple on the website. Okay. All right. Uh, and when should you make this financial plan? When you're about three years old. Ah. Okay. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, I'm a little maybe, late. Maybe four. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the uh, you know, the, and by the way, folks, I didn't use the word retirement plan. That's sometimes used okay. in lieu of a financial plan. You know, you can be 
just out of college and have sure. a, a single person have a financial plan for yourself right now, given income and taxes and where you're going to live and stuff like that. So as we go through the planning stuff here, some of these things will relate to living your life now, which we understand you have to do, uh, but uh, a number of them will also uh, relate to living your life later and whatever it is that you think about in terms of retirement. That said, let's fo- face it, folks in their 20s and 30s and 40s primarily worry about financially surviving, saving for college, and they don't think about retirement. Well. You should have a financial plan for those things as well. So, uh, you know, the the moment you get out of college and start paying down your college loans, you know you need a financial plan, and it's pretty important to start to have one. Okay? Okay. Um, Don't you find a lot of people are just worried about surviving financially today? Um, y- yes. Okay. It's it's a very tough w- a world out there. Uh, it gets a little bit more difficult to live in it, from my point of view, for a variety of reasons. Uh, you know, anybody that's out there you know, in their f- probably fifties and sixties and seventies, uh, comp- present company included, uh, we grew up in a pretty nice world and kind of made our own way, and and things were okay. I, I think it's tougher for our kids. Uh, to, to make a goal in, in the world today for a variety of reasons, and I think it's going to be even more difficult for our grandkids to be able to, to kind of to take care of that. So so I, I, I get completely the folks in their 20s and 30s and 40s trying to survive. Well, by the way, you need a financial plan to survive, and that would revolve around strictly cash flow issues and, and thoughts about probably saving for retirement and college. So, and you need a bunch of insurance when you're in your 20s and 30s and 40s to replace income that you, to replace capital that you haven't accumulated yet. So, so everybody needs a plan that the emphasis on that plan kind of depends on where you are in life and what your circumstances are, but doesn't matter where you are in life and it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. You need to have your act together to the best degree that you can. Uh, okay. and, the, and those folks that are out there worrying about survival, you know, probably the most important uh, thing that you need to be concerned about is are you positive or negative cash flow and, and why is that? You know, you're spending more than you're earning, you're earning more than you're spending, and are you saving appropriately? So, you know, it, it, everybody should have a financial plan that's appropriate for where they are with some of the where am I going to go kind of thrown in there. Okay. Okay. And what do you think the biggest planning mistake people make? Uh, with, with, without, uh, without question, uh, people do not have a handle uh, on their income and their expenses uh, and can get into trouble pretty easily if you don't pay attention to that stuff, okay? Uh, how, how shall I start? Uh, it's, pretty, it's a pretty safe thing to say that most of us kind of what, whatever hits your checking account from your paychecks, probably all of it gets spent, okay? Uh, and my question would be, the mistake, and this is a, a mistake, is where where is your money going? You know, can you account for all of the places that it went? And if you can, you'd be a rare person, but if you can and you look at all the places where your money went, if you're having a little trouble, then maybe you have to rearrange your priorities and maybe eliminate some things and stop other things. And so un- unless you know where every dollar is going in for expenses, it's kind of tough for you to make some judgments about how to fix things given the circumstances, okay? okay? You have a question? And there, yeah. Well, no, there's a variety of ways you can you can track it. 
oh, isn't yeah. there? With, yeah, with there, there's, there's actually, it's pretty cool. There's a, uh, a number of pretty easy software packages out there. We, we, we use one uh, called iBank, which is a, an Apple product, but you know, Quicken and uh, there's a number of others. You can electronically download all your checking and savings and bank card, charge card activities and get a pretty good handle on it. So, so the, the, bi- the biggest mistake uh, is that people don't know where their cash flow is going, yeah. okay? And it's probably negative cash flow, okay? You know, one of the things we look at when we talk to folks for the first or second time we get to meet them, uh, and, and one of the questions we ask every year to our existing clients is, so how's your emergency reserves and what's your charge card balance? Okay, so by the way, what, whatever the answer to that question is this year, let's pretend my emergency reserves are 25000 my charge card balance is zero. Okay, if a year from now we casually ask the same question, if the emergency reserves are 15000 and the charge card balance is five, they spent $20,000 they didn't earn. They spent 15 of that out of their emergency reserves for whatever reason, and they borrowed five of it. In terms of the charge oh, card, okay? okay. So a quick way to figure out whether you have positive or negative cash flow is to just monitor your savings, uh, your emergency reserves, checking account, okay, and your charge card balance from year to year. That'll give you an idea if you're bleeding slowly and don't know about it, or actually saving money, and uh, that would be a wonderful thing to to have to okay. worry about. So if your emergency reserves, though. Do you expect it to rise every year or no. just stay the same? No, okay. You sh- your emergency reserves are something you have to have to protect yourself. It's a number that people say, I need this and I'll feel comfortable. This will okay. work for me. And anything that you accumulate above that, if you're fortunate enough to have positive cash flow, yep. well, if you knew where all your money was going, you'd have a pretty good idea where you wanted to put that money going forward okay. sort of a thing. Okay. So, okay. so the, the absolute positive biggest mistake virtually everybody makes is that you don't have a handle on income and expenses, okay, and that's it. It's a biggie, uh, yeah. and it's a, you know, it, people probably don't do it because they're either not aware or scared to, but folks, if you think it's hard making a living now, well, you have two working spouses. It doesn't get easier if you ever want to retire and stop working. So mm. get, get a handle on your cash flow, and hopefully, and this will we'll come to this in a little while, hopefully... Uh, saving for college and saving for retirement are officially expenses from your point of view and you budget to do that out of all of those you know so throw in to your uh, living expenses retirement savings and college savings as well okay okay Okay. um do you do you find a lot of people that they're they seem to just want to live a good life right now like they want to have fun now or yeah, uh, and does that interfere <laughs> with what they need to be doing yeah. with their money? Uh, there, there are. Uh, it, there's obviously a number of folks out there who who want to have a quality life. Probably everybody in America. Sure. Sort of thing. The the question is, can you afford it now, and and can you afford it later in terms of what you're doing now, sort of a thing. And and you know, I, one of my pet peeves is. You know, 70% of our economy is driven by consumers sort of a thing, which is a little scary, okay? Uh, but the bottom line is, with with all the marketing in the world, you know, we've got to drive the best cars, and we've got to have the gold cards, we got to, you know, have the best homes. Uh, you know, it, it's all about, you know, having, you know, we got to have our travel vacations and stuff like that. I hope everybody 
listening to us lives that life now. If you are living that life now, my only question is, if you're in your 20s and 30s, are you still planning for the future while you're doing that? Okay. Okay. Uh, Or if you're retired... Okay, and you're living that life now. Can you afford it? Sort of a thing, and and all of that. So, so who doesn't want to live a good life? But it's ultimately math. There's only so much money that comes in. Okay, you know where it goes. You have you know only so many places it has to go. How do you choose to shuffle that and make sure that you can afford your life now and you afford your life later? So, folks, if you're having a peachy keen life and you're 35, married with kids and saving for college and on track for retirement. Have at it. Congratulations. The American dream. If you're living the American dream and can't afford it, you probably have some bad news coming down the line. That's all. All right. What else should you think about besides money? So, you know, you have to save for retirement, save for college. What else do you need to think about? Well, you know, we touched upon this earlier. So so, um, let's see. The, uh, The world right now primarily is double income couples. That's a, you know, when we were growing up, it wasn't quite like that, or it was for a lot of parents. Mm. So, so, so if you have two, two people working, husband and wife, you know, a couple of kids hanging around or whatever, um, if one or the other of those die tomorrow afternoon, probably half the income in your life just went away. And how, how do you replace that? Well, that's a devastating thing to happen on many fronts, including financially speaking. And so you need protection, okay, in, it's for some things in life, okay? And that protection, another word for it, is insurance, okay? Uh, and, you know, th- there's life insurance that you need to replace assets that you haven't yet saved. There's disability insurance, okay, to, uh, to pay you if you're not able to work. And, oh, yeah, you probably should insure that home of yours and your cars against so, so there's a whole layer of protection in your life okay. that smells like insurance. Okay, the taxes and how you pay taxes, that's getting simpler and simpler with the tax codes we have now. Our, our tax return is going to get much simpler this year. So you don't want to pay too much in taxes and get a big refund. Uh, you want to honestly try to take as many legal deductions as you can, but because the new deductions for a married couple, $24,000, taxes aren't as, they're important, but they're not as complicated as they once okay. were, which is a good thing. Well, that's and, a good thing. Yeah, and, and then there's the, the legal part of it. Okay, you know, you know, folks get married, folks get divorced, folks, uh, you know, bad things happen. Uh, folks die without wills and kids fight about money and stuff like that. So, so you know, the insurance, the taxes, the legal stuff, fo- folks, you've you got to have a handle on all those. And, and you know, who, who has the time these days to do all that? Well, you got to make the time because... If you if you make a mistake or don't cover one of those bases I just touched upon, life could be seriously over, at least from a financial point of view, or devastating, or however you know you want okay. to describe it. Okay. All right. What's your take on housing, <clears throat> buying homes? And oh, this goes back. Remind, to, you know, remind you, you only have a minute and a half here. <laughs> a minute and a half to. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let me think about this. Okay. So, so this goes back to. I want it all and I want it now, living the good life or something like that, okay? Uh, It is my opinion that there are many folks listening to us right now who suffer from TMC, TMH. Okay. Too much much house. house. Okay. Um, uh, Yeah, I think, okay, let's face it, one of the biggest financial commitments you're going to make in your life is where you live, okay? Uh, And 
we, we always want to buy the best and biggest that we possibly can. Well, okay, houses are expensive. They cost money. And, oh, yeah, most people don't have enough cash to, to not have a mortgage. And people mess up their mortgages all the time. We'll get back to that a little later on. So so I, I, I think that, you know, well, of course we want the nicest house for our kids. But if you happen to living a, living in a house that's absolutely gorgeous and beautiful, and if you're saving $4 a month for college and retirement, maybe that, maybe you have too much house, maybe, you know, so, so it's a big financial commitment and the mortgage that goes along with it is a huge one. And so you just want to make sure that whatever you own for a home and a mortgage, you're doing all the rest of the stuff that, that, you, that you are in your life. Uh, and a, a lot of people aren't aware of that. So I, okay. I, I just happen to feel that way. Okay. So how about cars? That's another biggie. Uh, same thing. Uh, you know, we we, <laughs> we we are an auto nation, no question. We about are. It. How many car commercials do we see watching a Patriots game? Cars or trucks? So, oh, yeah. You know, 30. Guys like the, their trucks. Yeah, yep. exactly. Uh, okay. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And, and, and so a car or a truck is a depreciating asset. And if you buy one every three or four years, a new car, you're... You know, that, that costs a whole lot of money when you factor in the depreciation and the costs and a whole bunch of other things. So okay, automobiles and, and purchasing them is another major expense in folks' lives, period, okay? Uh, and, you know, if if you're driving some truly wonderful automobiles that cost you five or six or $700 a month for a loan, well, as long as you're on track for saving for college and as long as you're on track for saving for retirement and you got all the necessary insurance that you're paying for that you need, have at it. Okay. Okay, so my question is if you're doing all that stuff, congratulations. But if you're doing all that stuff and you can't afford it, you may have some problems somewhere so down the line. So what do you think about leasing? Okay, more expensive than owning without question. It is, okay. You know, buy a two-year-old car, drive it till it dies, and then buy another one if you want to be That doesn't expensive. sound like the American way. I, I, I understand. <laughs> drive how, until how, it we, dies. We, yeah, we'd have a big recession if that happened. I, <laughs> I understand, okay. You know, buy one that's two or three years, uh, one or two years old, the sweet spot. Drive it for eight or ten years, okay, and, and and then do another one, okay, and and save all that money, you know, do the math for what it would have cost you to have a brand new car, and save all that money for retirement. Oh, and then okay, you can, then that's you can, interesting. You can buy the Porsche in retirement. And by the way, <laughs> I, I have well, had what? my car for ten years. I, I, do you I realize am, that? I, I respect you tremendously. For I that. think ten yeah, or oh, nine and a half nine actually, and a half. nine and a half years. Yeah, okay, that's yeah, got another good five years. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. What a guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> How about retirement? Um, I'm enjoying mine, by the way. I, I, Thank you, you. You're you're most welcome. Re- yes. Uh, Happy help, retired teacher. You helped me earlier in life get kids through college while we're getting square yes, away and stuff. So thank yes, you. I thank did. you. Yep, you did. Okay. Uh, anyway, so <clears throat> I, I said earlier that if you're worried about just getting your kids through, you know, school and taking them to hockey practice, <clears throat> and you, excuse me, and you're 35 years old, you're probably not doing some serious thinking about retirement. Okay. Retirement savings has to be an expense that builds, that's built into your life. And if you don't have a financial plan and don't know how much you need to save for how long and how much you have to earn on that money, that's part of having a financial plan, save at least 10% of your gross income. That applies for each person. And don't count the match from the company. And if you can actually work your way up to the amount that they let you put in retirement plans, uh, which is fifteen or eighteen thousand dollars these days, okay, then you're okay. So if you haven't if you haven't got a retirement plan for life, 
do yourself a big favor and start saving at least 10% of your gross income when you're age 22. Never weary, vary from that and don't count company matches. And if you're not worried about life, you might be okay. I can't qualify that anymore, but that's a good place okay. to be. Okay. So <clears throat> if you don't count company matches, you're thinking then you're not going to not go, you shouldn't rely on a pension. Is that what you're saying? Um, but that's a good question. Um, we have a number of younger folks we're meeting now in their 20s and 30s who actually know they're probably screwed when it comes to Social Security uh, in terms of uh, qualifying for it because for a variety of reasons. And anyway, they're making ret- financial plans assuming they're not going to be any Social Security or pen. By the way, company pensions are virtually a, a dinosaur. They are now and they'll be even more of a dinosaur in the next few years because companies can't afford them. Uh, and so the bottom line is that that you know, if you're smart and you're in your 20s and 30s, you plan on having very little uh, dependency on a Social Security check. Okay. Makes it even more difficult to live your life now. Okay. Yeah, How I about understand. paying for college? Okay. You can, the, the, the first or second, no, one, two, this is probably the second biggest financial mistake that people make for college. They'll pay for college for whatever because who wants to deny your kids a great college oh. education okay uh and you know the amount of money that you you, know, you you can save for college how many people can save enough for all of college educations for two three quarters? virtually nobody or very few people so you can save it you can take it out of your cash flow well, if you're already break-even cash flow, how are you going to spend four thousand dollars a month paying a tuition? Okay, or you can borrow money. So save it, take it out of cash flow, borrow money. Most people, you know, have to at least borrow some mm-hmm. money. Many people have to okay. borrow a lot. Okay, uh, if you do the college thing and then think about retiring after you did that, you might be very disappointed in your retirement possibilities. So that financial plan should include paying for college or how much you can, you know, save, take out a cash flow or borrow and tie that together with retirement. Okay. So biggie, that's a real big. So don't sacrifice your retirement planning. Yep. Okay. That would be my comment. Okay. Unless you're planning on moving in with your kids. (laughs) Okay. Not a good plan. Okay. Not, not from their point of view. Yeah, I understand. Um, What is your take on home mortgages? Okay. What is my take on home mortgages? Uh, That you shouldn't have one. Okay. Wow. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, let, let me uh, let me say it this way, uh, and this goes back to I guess too much house as well. But uh, anyway, the the bottom line uh, is that um, on average, people either buy a new home in this country every seven or eight years. Okay, and okay. if you if you're 30 years old and buy your first home with a 30 year mortgage and move seven years later and buy a more expensive home, you're going to do a bigger mortgage and it's going to still be 30 years. And so if you do 30 years every six or seven years that you do a home, by the time you get to the late 50s or 60s, I've got a newsflash for you. You've got a big mortgage with 10 or 15 or 20 years to run and having a mortgage in retirement is a slight financial difficulty for a lot of people. Okay, a a generic rule of thumb uh, is that... um, you have to live on about 25 to 30 percent less money when you're retired because generally that's how much your income will go down if you're lucky, 25, 30 percent. Well, how the heck are you going to reduce your living expenses by 25 or 30 percent if you retire? Easy peasy. 
okay, your mortgage payments, principal and interest, probably come to 25 to 30% of what your expenses are. And if you didn't have one by the time you retired, presto change as far as I'm concerned. Okay? Okay. All right. So uh, let's see. So where are we? How many more we got to go here? We're on it. track here? All you right, are. So, all right. Well, holy Holy cow. Okay, so let me do a couple of summary statements because I actually have a minute or two here. Uh, I want to spend a little more time on the mortgage thing and debt. Okay, so so folks, if if you want to have a a chance, so in other words, if you don't have a financial plan in place, save at least 10%, don't count the match for absolutely ever and try to do it more. Okay, and if you don't have a financial plan or a retirement plan in place, okay, be on a course to have your mortgage retired when you do. What do you mean? Let's see here. I'll make this easy. You're 35 years old. You buy your first home. Uh, you have a 30-year mortgage. Ten years later, you buy your second home, okay? Well, then you should have a 20-year mortgage, okay? And then 10 years after that, you buy your third home. I think you get the, the point, folks, okay? I, I, I don't care how you do it, but always, always, always have the last mortgage payment you plan to make at age 66. Okay, so if you don't have a retirement plan, folks, if you haven't gone to, that's at least a big place to start. Most of the folks that we see uh, who are retiring that don't have mortgages, they don't need too much of our help compared to pe- people who do have mortgages, and that's that's just the way it is here. So, okay, I think, like, I can't believe what, how this is working here. Michael, it's time for a break, and it's fine with me if you want to work for a few more years. Hi, this is Mike McNamara with McNamara Financial Services in Marshfield. Folks want an advisor they can trust. The problem is that you just don't start off trusting someone. Trust is earned, and that takes time. So how do you find that person carefully and one step at a time? I'd suggest that you take that first step and call our office for an introductory meeting. Ask lots of questions. Ask for some referrals. Go home and think about it. Come back if you want to talk some more. 781-834-2010 or McNamaraFinancial.com. We're your radio station. The South Shores 95.9 WATD. This is Kirk Reed from McNamara Financial. I often get asked, when should I start collecting Social Security? It's not always a quick question to answer, but an important one. If you'd like to have a conversation about your situation, give me a call at 781-834-2010 or check out McNamaraFinancial.com. We're back. You are listening to McNamara on Money here on WATD. Okay, Michael, take it away. Alrighty, we are back. This is 95.9 FM WATD in Marshfield, Massachusetts. My name is Mike McNamara, and uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I, you were supposed to do that. I missed on that. So my wife, Pamela, is keeping me company. I promise I won't do that again. Okay. Uh, do we have some announcements to make, I think? We do. Yeah, I apologize. Go ahead. No problem. Okay. Um, we always <clears throat> like to give a shout-out to the Marshfield Food Pantry. They always need our help. Many families rely on this community resource. So if you could please help them out with a donation of food or money, you can send your tax-deductible donation to the Marshfield Food Pantry at P.O. Box 1907 here in Marshfield, 02050, or drop off your donations at their uh, location in the Library Plaza right here in downtown Marshfield. And you can visit them at their website, marshfieldfoodpantry.org. 
And then coming up next week here on McNamara on Money, we have a program entitled Insurance and All Its Beauty. Join Kirk and Alyssa as they discuss the importance and benefits of life and disability insurance. And the following week, December Saturday, December 15th, um, Mike will have on our guests from the charitable donations of Marshfield. Tis the season of giving. You will have guests from the Marshfield Food Pantry, the Road to Responsibility, the Boys and Girls Clubs of Marshfield, and Marshfield Community Christmas. Tune in to learn about the importance they have in our town. That sounds like a great program. Yeah, it's, uh, I try to do that every year. It's kind of yes. cool. Just kind of a, you know, let's, let's people know exactly what yeah, they're doing, how they function. You know, the holidays are a good time to do that, and hopefully we can yep. ra- raise some money for all those organizations. Yes, and this stuff doesn't <coughs> go on just at yeah. Christmas time. That's right, and it doesn't go on, on just in Marshfield, that's right. for sure. Yep. Okay, so our next topic here uh investor misperceptions mistakes and bad habits yeah and this is that's right and this is our half hour podcast schedule here for the next half an hour so we're going to be talking about again financial planning uh misperceptions mistakes and bad habits uh and they all have to do with expenses okay and so we're going to kind of probably the biggest variable uh, we see in determining the success of a retirement type plan is what folks' expenses are, okay? Um, and, you know, when we try to figure out uh, what retirement looks like, if, uh, if folks uh, have a certain level of expenses, well, then the pot of money you have that you have to take money out to pay for that kind of better match that. And, and obviously, if your expenses are too much for your pot, you might have to kind of reduce them. So, so getting back to the planning now, cash flow issues, and by the way, planning for retirement and making sure that my pot of money is big enough to take care of my expenses in retirement, I, I thought we'd spend a, a little time talking about some of the bigger issues in the ex- living expenses world. So have at it. Okay, so... Um you're, you're going to speak about your expenses now and in the future going yeah. forward. And I probably, depending on the answer and whatever I'm saying at the time, you know, it'll it'll either apply, you know, to folks right now okay, and or in the future and or both. It's sort of related. But, you know, if our biggest mistake is, you know, not knowing what our cash flow is or, or having a handle on that, then our expenses, the income is set. You make what you make, folks, okay? So the thing that you can control uh, is the expenses, and that's why we're going to spend a good half hour on that subject. Okay, so you think people underestimate their expenses? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) there's no thinking about it (laughs) from my point of view, okay? Uh, Remember, I do this for a living. I talk with a bunch of people all the time. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so let me go back to the beginning. Probably 95% of the people listening to us right now uh, don't have, couldn't tell me what their expenses are over the course of a year and break it out into some meaningful categories. Okay, that's just a guess. I'm pretty comfortable with that guess. Okay, uh, and and so that that's n- n- not a good thing. Okay, uh, if you don't know what they are, okay, 
people always spend more than they think they spend with, without question. And we see that when we do financial planning sessions with our folks. Just <laughs> just the other day, you know, your son-in-law, Kirk, and I were, were meeting, we're having a planning meeting with some folks. Um, and we were crunching all the numbers and doing a whole bunch of stuff. And the, the folks we were talking to couldn't find forty thousand dollars of their expenses. What 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 they told us their expenses were, <laughs> okay. And when we did the calculation, okay. So and, and we meet lots of different folks, and, and my point is they all miss, okay, sort of a thing. Okay, uh, on average, I, I would tell you that the folks we meet, on average, miss their estimates or expenses by between five and ten percent, and sometimes more. Well, okay. you know, if, if your expenses are sixty or seventy thousand dollars. You know that's seven or eight or ten or fifteen thousand dollars. Okay, so so people underestimate their expenses primarily because they can't account for all that it's going. By the way, let me let me give folks out there a very simple way, okay, to determine your expenses. I say this once in a while. It really is simple, folks. Take your 2017 tax return or 18 if you got it done, but you can't have it done. Take your 2017 tax return. The first number is take your gross income. Now, let's say it's $100,000, okay? On the second page of that tax return, it tells you what your total federal tax bill was. And then you can go to your Massachusetts tax return, and that tells you what your total Massachusetts tax bill was. So let's I'll make up some numbers. Your income is 100000 You paid 15000 to the feds and 5000 to Massachusetts. Okay, so far? Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we had $80,000 that was left. Okay, well... You probably paid another seven or eight thousand dollars to Social Security and Medicare. Okay, so let's take away seven from eighty. Okay, so now we're down to seventy-three. And then, by the way, if you put some money in a retirement plan, say it was three thousand to make it easy, well then, seventy thousand dollars were your were your expenses. Okay, so start with your gross income. Take away federal taxes, take away mass taxes, take away social security taxes, take away money you put in retirement plans. Folks, those are your expenses, period. Okay, and when we do that in a meeting, that's where I get back to most people miss by 5, 10, 15%. That's pretty scary now because you're building, you're probably building up debt you don't know about. It's terrifying when it comes to trying to plan for retirement if you underestimate. So there was $70,000 yeah. left. Yeah. And most people spend it all and okay. don't know where. Okay. Is that what you're saying? What I'm saying is, those if those people give us some expenses, they better come to seventy thousand dollars. And if they don't, I don't believe them. Okay. Okay. But it's pretty simple. If they didn't have any one-time big expenses, if they didn't build up any charge cards, and if they didn't knock down any savings, if that's seventy thousand that I just made up in terms of what was left, that's those are their expenses and when they break it out it should add up to that so it's a good double check and easy to do sort of a okay thing. okay so this is funny you buy a car but then there's expenses that are associated with it sure. so what about those yeah well, I, think I, about that once you buy it i was i was online uh, during our little break here oh. okay and so this is this is just a hoot here so so let me tell you about um, why the TMC too much car is uh, 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 an affliction i think many people have okay oh, no. i have a car depreciation schedule here Cars car shrink in value after you drive them, folks. Okay, uh, and uh, let's see. Who right now? New car depreciation schedule. I'm on the internet. Uh, it must be true. 
car depreciation calculator. Good calculators, da-da-da-da-da. Car depreciates in value 25% the first year. Okay, and I'll just skip to the big numbers. Okay, wow. on average, a new car will lose 60% of its total value over the first five years. Okay. All right, so, so let's go with that number, okay? I got my calculator out. Average car in America right now, $35,000, new car. Okay? All right. So you spend 35000 for a new car, okay? You took out a loan, right? You, I don't know. Well, okay, mo- if most, you do, great, yeah, most, okay, most, or whatever. Mo- yeah, many people take out okay. loans so that there's so first of all it cost you thirty five thousand dollars okay plus interest yes. if you have a loan. Okay. Well sixty percent of thirty I, I want to sell it five years from now because that's a good deal. So it's worth twenty one thousand dollars if you sell it. Okay. okay. So if I take twenty one from thirty five, I get fourteen thousand dollars you lost on a car in five oh. years. Okay, so you're so you're minus fourteen thousand dollars with the depreciation, okay, you're m- minus the $35,000 that you paid for. If you paid for it in cash, let's, let's do the easy way. You paid for it in cash, you paid $35,000, you are going to sell it for $21,000, you lost $14,000, plain, plain and simple. Okay, a- along the way, okay, so if, if you lose that $14,000 for another new car and do the math all over again, my, my question is, what what could you have done with that fourteen, or what you sh- what should you have done with that fourteen if you weren't saving enough for college, or if you weren't saving enough for retirement? That's all. Uh, we have a caller. Let's go to Jerry in Duxbury. Hey, Jerry, how you doing this morning? Hey, Mike, how are you? All right, fine, thank you. Say hello to Pamela, please. Hello. <laughs> hello, Mrs. Uh, Mike. <laughs> What's on your mind? Uh, I have a question for you, Mike. Yep. Um, and before I ask, uh, I should say Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas and all that. Ditto from our point of view. Thank Thank you. you. Um, I'm embarrassed to say that I don't listen to you as much as I uh, did a few years ago, but having said that, um, you used to have on your program uh, every now and then Joanne Butterall. Do you remember her? I certainly do. Well, Yes, and uh, she retired as of today, as a matter of fact. That's correct. Um... Do you have a person that comes and um, does what she used to do? Uh, off the air, I'll be happy to give you a couple possibilities for sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, can I talk to you off the air or call you back? Uh, how about on Tuesday sometime? Just give the office a holler. I'm, I'm, I'm around on Tuesday at the office. Okay? That will work fine. Um, she, I won't mention any names, but she um, had recommended one person uh, up in Hingham or Situate. And I was uh, looking for somebody closer to home in Duxbury. I think we can probably help you with that, okay? All right, I'll give you a call on Tuesday. Good program as usual, sir. Hey, Merry Christmas, Jerry. Thank you, okay? All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Anyway, so my, my point is that, that if you bought another car, that car cost you $14,000, okay? You had to pay insurance. You had to pay, okay, so it cost you $14,000. So, so my only question is if you buy a new car every year at that schedule with inflation, and sell it every five years. Every five years, okay. Sure. It cost you. It 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 cost you fourteen thousand dollars. Okay. Period. Okay. If if you were saving all the money you needed for college, and if you well, and you're going to pay fully for your college educations. I'm kidding. Most people can't do that. But if you were on tra- track to save all the money you needed for college educations, okay, and if you were on track to retire and live happily ever after, congratulations. Take your car and 
sell it and buy it every five years. Okay, if if you're going to have trouble, you're planning on borrowing money because you can't afford it, drive the car for another five years and uh, save yourself 30, you know, it, it only cost you $35,000, I mean, given the time. So, okay. it, yeah, it's just it's just money that you could, that you might need to put someplace else. That's all. If you can, folks, if you can afford your cars and your home and be on track to save for, or pay for college and be on track to pay for retirement, go for it. If you, right. But if you, but most people aren't on that track and cars are a place where you could look to save some money other places. That's all. Okay. Okay. I think this is a good time to pop in with our, with our number. This is a call in oh, yeah. talk radio show and our number is 781-837-4900. So give us a call with any questions or comments you might have. And let's move on to health insurance costs ooh, ooh, ooh. okay okay so again folks we're just talking about expenses and uh some you can control and some you can't <laughs> okay health insurance costs well actually you can because you can go shopping uh, but anyway um when we uh you know you have to have health insurance folks or anything catastrophic and you're into bankruptcy and poverty sort of a thing so i think everybody knows that okay uh it is very expensive Okay, uh, you know, f- right now, you know, a family policy is somewhere around twelve, thirteen thousand dollars a year. Okay, sometimes fifteen, uh, and an individual policy uh, of any consequence is somewhere around seven or eight thousand dollars a year. That's, and, and they c- cost more go- going forward. Okay, uh, I, I my point is that if, if you have health insurance through a work setting congratulations you probably have some kind of a good deal if you don't well you can shop around and and you know the, the state of massachusetts has a website that, that that is very good at that and i'm forgetting the name of it right now but uh, uh it, it'll pop into my head in a moment or two uh but but anyway we have a health insurance clearinghouse at the state of massachusetts and you can go online and do some shopping but we we don't pay attention to them because most of us don't pay them do you know what i mean uh, in terms of the Copays or or the doc the you know we when we go to a doctor and have an operation we don't think about doctor shopping to get a price better price or anything mm-hmm. like that so it's just a big expense that unfortunately you have to have okay but if you have some choices you might be able to save yourself some money and especially folks in retirement when it comes to every year they have to check on their uh, Medicare is you know supplemental policy so okay. it's an area where you can, it's a big one and you can save some money if you look around and be careful about it I guess okay, okay. all right what about the cost of raising a family yeah. holy cow you have any comments if you on actually that? thought about the cost you might never raise a family about the cost of raising a dog <laughs> never mind a, a family <laughs> Right? Yes. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, what about the cost of raising a dog? Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, so um, <laughs> folks, kids are pretty expensive, uh, I guess. And, and um, a, a, another thing, uh, this goes back to, I want, you know, I want to live the best life I can afford sort of a thing. And let's face it, we spoil our kids and we, we do things for them that we probably never even had any experience with ourselves, uh, okay, in, when we were growing up just because. No, right, no, no. Right, right, no, right. no, 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 okay. <laughs> uh, and, and I guess the, the, the bottom line is that uh, kids are, are, can be expensive, but they can also be really expensive depending on how well you want to treat them or pamper them or with Christmas presents and, and a whole bunch of other things. So it's just, it's just an area, folks, I sound like the anti-father here, but it's just an area 
where we can easily spend a lot of money and not think about it, I guess would be the way I would put that, okay? Uh, and that applies double for grandmothers, okay, and some grandfathers, oh. okay? <laughs> Getting into a touchy area here. I have here. professional and personal Especially experience with at these. Christmas time. Okay, there you go. Okay, so my, my, my yeah. point is that, you know, right now, and this is kind of funny, but right now when we talk to folks about retiring, if they're already grandparents, they, they don't look at us funny when we say, what are your grandkid expenses? Okay, if they're not grandparents, they have no clue. And I got to tell you, folks, as a certified financial planner who knows a lot of people's budgets and income and stuff, kids and grandkid expenses are not insignificant uh, you know, fr- from my perspective. And, and I have seen many, many, many of sure. those. So my, my point again is that... The, the kid expenses and, and, and what you do for them, okay, um, you know, if if they're, if you're living a great life now but can shave 5000 off your kid expenses for college, you might be better off later on sort of a thing. So, again, if, if you have a plan and if you can afford doing whatever you're doing for your kids and not sacrificing other parts of your life, uh, then, then great. By the way, if you're doing everything for them and you don't care about sacrificing other parts of your life, well, that's a decision you make yeah. now that you might regret later. You don't know it, but you, you might you, regret you it later. It. Okay, so yes. so I'm not trying to be anti-family here. I'm just saying that kids are an area where we can spend a boatload of money, not even think about it or question it. And again, this is a recurring theme here. As long as you can really afford it. And that means saving enough for college and retirement when you answer that I can really afford it. Cool. Great. God bless you. Good for you. Okay. 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 All right. Let's skip skip down here. How, should people worry about inflation? <sighs> yep. But we don't think about it. No. Okay. Um, uh, inflation is... Your, your, your life costs you more money. That's, that's my right. definition just, of inflation. It, it just eats away yeah. at... Your bottom line, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other day, I put some fuel in the tank. It was like three twenty a gallon for gasoline. When you were putting around in high school and put some fuel in my little Volkswagen, in that Volkswagen, how much you pay for a gallon of gas? <laughs> oh, how do I know? However, I will tell you this: that I once went into a gas station. <laughs> And I had about 35 cents with me. <laughs> yeah. And I was able to put some gas you in my prob- car and drive it for... Probably, probably got a gallon and a half. I probably. <laughs> at least a gallon. Yeah, get, get fuel, Tim, fuel was 25 cents a gallon when we were kids, believe it or not. Okay, what do you think about that? Huh? Must have been nice <laughs> yeah. but, before they moved the decimal point they, over. They, 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 <laughs> there you go. Okay. They might move it again in the next 100 uh, years. Who knows? Let's okay. hope not. But, but that, that's the... You know, see, you, you don't think about it till you look back. Okay, well, my yeah. point is that if you look forward, you know, you're, you're amazed that prices go up, you know, over the last week or two. But if you look back, it, they've gone up significantly more. And, and my, my point is that you have to plan for that, okay, certainly in your current life, but especially in retirement because you're stopping working and your income's not coming in. So, so it, it's really scary, but on average, whatever your expenses are now... In the next year, they're going to be a little bit more. And the year after that, a little bit more. And cetera, so has inflation been running at a uh, a certain percent over the last, say, five years? Yeah, Is it- yeah. Okay, uh, if you go back 100 years, we have a chart on our uh, financial planning software, and I'm trying to remember. But if you go back 100 years, it's been about three. If you go back about uh, 20 years, it's been about two. 
okay, two and a half sort of a thing. Okay. okay. Uh, and, and so my, my point is that you have to plan for it, okay, uh, going forward. And, and by the way, my, my, there, there's nothing wrong uh, with life if you can either make more or spend less to make the math work sort of a thing. So okay. if, if we're going to have inflation going forward, folks, either you need to make more to compensate for it if you're working and or you need to spend less because it's going to catch up with you. It catches up slowly. You know, it, it really eats away at what your money can buy, but you don't think about it that way. You know, if we have right. if we have 10 years of inflation, okay, $100 now, spends like a hundred dollars 10 years and now spends like seventy dollars okay sort of a thing mm-hmm. so it, it's something you have to be mindful of all of the time okay uh j- just because it'll kill you if you don't plan for it uh when when we um work out financial plans for folks we usually suggest doubling the inflation rate for health care costs because that's probably oh. what they've been sort of a thing so my, my point is you know, if you're not retired, you got to either make more or spend less to stay even with it, whether you know it or not. Easy way to eat away at your, you know, cash flow. And if you're going to plan for retirement, you better plan for some of that to happen or you're going to have an unpleasant surprise. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, i tell you one way, one way I'm aware of inflation is when I go to the grocery store. It's incredible. Yep. There you go. Really amazing. Okay, so speaking of kid yeah, those, costs. Yeah, those ramen noodles are really good last time. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> You're yeah. welcome. And, and, and the corn. Oh, so you, the, would you like yeah. them again? Can we have cornflakes for dinner tonight or what? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Moving along. <laughs> um, speaking of the cost of raising a family. Yep. And then those kids grow up. <laughs> what about weddings? And they get married. And they get married. <laughs> Good and luck. then they multiply. Good luck to Kirk and Alyssa with then three they girls. Multiply. Okay, yeah, right. f- folks. Uh, again, this is relating to kids and family expenses. Think about if you paid for a wedding or two. Okay, you you know what we're talking about. If, if you haven't paid for a wedding or two, <laughs> it's fairly frightening. And again, just another big thing. Okay, that that, that you know. Um, hey, what you but, choose to do for your kids, we want to spoil right. them, we want to them. But and, and you can control that, actually. Well, yeah, my, my point is do whatever you want to do as long as you can afford it. If you okay. don't know if you can't afford it, then you need to think about it. That's all. Okay. Okay, yeah. how about your home expenses? Yeah, we've got to have the chocolate fountain with the strawberries at the wedding, though, right? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I understand. Okay. <laughs> all right, let's talk about home expenses, home, home improvements, home remodeling. Expenses. Yep. Um, who the real estate world is going to come down in wrath after I make these comments. But <clears throat> if if most folks who sell their home and made a profit on selling their home, feeling good about it, it's grown in okay. value this. Yep. If you added into the cost of your house improvements to your house, not maintenance and repairs, but improvements that you maybe didn't really have to do but you wanted to do, Yeah you might not have as made as much money on your house as you thought, or your house might have cost you a little bit more than you have thought, okay? If we add up personally the, our dollars for kitchens and bathrooms that, that were remodeled, sure. that were really fine, Basements, but we, yeah. we, and upda- updating maybe is an, a, 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 okay. a, a harmless term for the same thing, okay? There you go. It's, That's a, right, it's up, yes. It's updating. You need but, to update, but, but upgrade. But folks, just if you, 
if I know personally, if we added those into the way we ever sell for our, our house, we might be even, you know, sort of a thing, and, and that's okay. With, from, but yeah, but you know, if you're, if you ever think about the cost of owning a home, okay, I, I, you know, what you do for improvements is significant. You know, one of the things we ask in our little financial planning meetings for folks about to retire is, so. How's the kitchen looking? How's the, the how's the bathrooms looking? And I get almost the same answer every time, usually from the female. Need to take care of that before we retire, sort of a thing. So, so what about home expenses, home improvements? Great as long as you can afford them and they fit in your plan. If you don't have a plan, yeah. you need to think a few times about that. That's all. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's wow. That's big. Yeah, it, it is. Big. A lot of folks. Well, might need to live on their part of their home equity in the form of a reverse mortgage somewhere down the line. We we see more and more folks who kind of need those situations. So, having equity in your home, you know, when when you go sell it, uh, is a pretty important thing, or might be. Uh, you know, if and the problem is, a lot of folks might not know that yet, sort of a thing. So the whole okay. the whole half hour here is just trying to become aware of whatever you're doing. And as long as you're on track for the for all the other things in your life, if you've got sufficient ex- insurance, if everything is squared away, and you know you can live the life you're living, terrific. But if it's not, maybe you need to look at it now before you may get yourself in trouble later. That's all. All right. Okay. So as soon as the show's over, yep. I, there, I do want to speak to you about <laughs> some updating. Updating, huh? Oh, you oh, know, the I, deck, the I'm, patio, I'm things so, like that. So Important excited. things. I'm so excited. I Important you. things. Does that mean I have to work another 10 or 15 years or what? Uh, <laughs> just so good at it. <laughs> I smell the small honey-do list. <laughs> small? <laughs> I was being nice. I always say you should keep doing what you do best. So there you go, Michael. That's my philosophy with yes, you. And, okay. And retiring and uh, enjoying yourself is yours. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel retired at this minute, okay, but most I, of the time I do. I, All right, let's well, move let, on. Yeah, we got one more quick question. One more quick here. question. Yeah. Uh, what about discretionary expenses? All righty. Okay, so um, this is, well, primarily aimed at folks who are thinking about retirement, okay? Uh, when folks retire, and we go through their expenses with them and try to check to make sure they got them right and they got everything included. Uh, I, I will, you know, I will often ask them uh, or, or make a comment. You know, you you put down three thousand dollars for vacations and uh, you know two hundred dollars, excuse me, for hobbies. Uh, you know, is your fun budget? Pretty, pretty correct. You know, when you, when you, the, the money that you can have for fun, you know, that can encompass traveling or hobbies or whatever. You know, many folks who are retiring under, and by the way, eating out to eat is a discretionary kind of, a, you know, money you can spend, but you don't need to spend sort yeah. of a thing. And, and uh, fun expenses in retirement happen to be you know, a biggie from our point of view. Uh, but, you know, you, you just have to plan for them. And most folks who are retiring under plan for them and you don't you don't want to retire you know make a, a, a vacation budget for two thousand dollars a year and find out that that was a, that was two weekends in the Poconos and, you didn't, <laughs> and, and, and that wasn't anywhere near and and you got a kid who with me and grandkids who moved to Atlanta and you want to fly down there four times a year to visit them or something like that so so you know pay careful attention to the fun type discretionary expenses and by the way in your life now, if, okay, if you're not retired, 
<laughs> same advice, I guess. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, so we're. Let, well, let's do it. Ready for a break? Yeah. The South Shore's breaking news, weather, and traffic station. WATD FM Marshfield. WATD Brockton. This is Alyssa McNamara-Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Here's what people want to know about me. Are you a fiduciary? Are you independent? And thus, are your recommendations for me in my best interest? Are your costs reasonable? Can you help me with my money and making a plan for my future? Fortunately, the answer to all of those questions is yes. Call my office to find out more. 781-834-2010. You own a business or you're running a nonprofit or a municipality and you just might be somewhat overwhelmed with all the changes in state health care law, federal mandates, rules governing retirement, employee benefits. For instance, do your employees understand the value and costs of their current benefits? Oh, and by the way, what about tomorrow's changes in state and federal policy? Keeping up is a full-time job. You have better things to do. Gallagher Benefits of Boston and Quincy are benefits experts. To be somewhat formal, Gallagher Benefits offers strategic consulting that assists employers in providing wellness and health promotion programs and offers advisory services to provide insight, understanding, and answers. Let Gallagher handle the headaches. Visit the web at AJG.com. Leave the aspirin on the shelf. AJG.com. This is Kirk Reed with McNamara Financial. What's the best investment strategy for you? Well, depends on your age, risk tolerance, and a number of other things. Give me a call and let's talk about your situation. 781-834-2010 or check out McNamaraFinancial.com. We're back. And you are listening to McNamara on Money here on WATD. Michael, stop at Alyssa and Kirk's after the show and pick up the girls. I love that one. (laughs) Yes, you are listening to McNamara on Money. This is a call-in radio show, so please give us a call with any questions or comments at 781-837-4900. We are talking about investor misperceptions, mistakes, and bad habits. And we're on to our third topic, the big picture of investment. Do you want to explain the podcasting again? Yeah, yeah. So something new. Folks, if you're listening to this show, we've decided to break it up into four one-half-hour segments and try to cover certain material in each of those segments uh, so that if anything uh, sparks your interest, you can head off to our website and just listen to that half hour or whatever. So, sure, we'd love if you wanted to listen to the whole show, but if there's a particular thing that tweaked your interest, you can probably go to our website, find that half hour, and hopefully... uh, uh, you know, hopefully we helped you out with some comments or some thoughts sort of a thing. So I'm not used to having to stay on a schedule and finish at a certain You're doing time. But, you know, it, but this is, it's, 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 it's working, but I need, I need some more work. It's tough to talk as, that fast and get it covered. But so far, so good, I think. So, all right, so you're in charge. We got the, Okay, so the first, yeah. the first um, what did you do this in half-hour segments? The first yeah. half-hour was spent on big planning mistakes. Yeah. Second half-hour was getting a handle on your expenses. Yeah, and now we're on the investment side of the yeah. equation. Uh, and and uh, the, 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 this seg- segment is officially entitled The Big Picture of Investing. You know, okay. it's, either, it's either broad-based 
thingies that people should know. And then lastly, we'll get into some specific stuff at the last half hour, sort of. Okay. Okay. So what is the big picture? How do, how do you get a handle on that? Uh, the big picture is, okay, that first of all, the goal of an investor, okay, uh, is to become wealthy. I didn't write, I forgot to add this. So I'm, I'm, I'm ad-libbing right now, but this is okay. Um, it, it, when you invest your money, the, the trick to investing your money is you want to have more of it. You want to become more wealthy. You want to grow. Yeah. <clears throat> There's only one way to grow your money. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. The, the only way that you get wealthy is to make sure that tax, your money grows faster than taxes and inflation take away from it. Okay. So, so the, the absolute first big picture item is if you're investing money, your goal is to make more in any given year than taxes and inflation took away from your earnings. Okay. Okay. This is very important because <clears throat> some investments have a history of doing that. Some don't. Okay. And that kind of plays into your whole picture. So, so it w we'll probably hint at parts of that. But, uh, you know, macroeconomic point, if you're investing money, your goal is to either make at least as much as inflation take away from you so you can be in the same place. If you, if you're, if you already okay. have enough money, okay, to just keep up with inflation and taxes, congratulations. If you don't have enough money to keep up with inflation and taxes, you've got to earn an, enough to, to do that okay. later on down the line. Okay. 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 So what do you need to know about investments? What a huge okay. question. It is a huge question, okay. Um, I'm gonna reference primarily stock investments because that's a, the, you know one of the two major categories that people are thinking. Okay, okay. Uh, and, and okay, the, the, the stock market is just kind of irrelevant, okay? And the important thing for anybody investing in companies, I didn't say stocks because sometimes that's scary, but, um, the, the reason that companies grow in value over the long run is that they continue to make more money and make more profits and become more valuable as a result of doing that, okay? Uh, there's a website uh, called Political Calculations, okay, uh, that has a sidebar in it called the S&P 500 at your fingertips. So if you just Google, folks, the S&P 500 at your fingertips, okay, uh, and you get to this cool little site and just type in your birthday day of your birth okay and then push the button and it'll tell you the the S&P 500 it'll tell you how much money you made in your lifetime if you had invested in the S&P 500 okay uh, over that time and you know when you were born the S&P 500 its earnings were x now they're a whole lot more when you were born the S&P 5 when when we were born I I did this the S&P's 500's value when we were born was about 17. It's 2,700 now. Okay, sort of a thing. So go to that website, folks. Check check out what the stock market's done for your lifetime. And my point is, the only reason that stocks grow over time is that they make more money. It takes a long time for that to happen. And what goes on in the stock market every day is completely irrelevant to the companies that you own in your portfolio making money over the long run. People get nervous, people get greedy, they go up, they go down, immaterial, okay? So the second major point is, okay, companies have grown in value and will continue to grow in value, okay, as long as they make, continue to make profits. It's called capitalism, folks, okay? You, you gotta believe that before you go invest in stocks. 
<coughs> Sorry. No, no problem. Yeah. Um, so if you're, when you are investing, before you do that, you need to come up with a strategy. Yep. Is that correct? Uh, yep. Okay. Um, so, so by the way, uh, okay, what, uh, what you know about investing? Bad habit, don't I? Okay, um, there's a second one. I apologize. Okay. Um, <clears throat> what should we know about investments? Right. Oh, you asked me that. I apologize. <laughs> okay. Okay. What, uh, Moving on. What, no, no, I, I didn't answer it completely. Oh, I okay. Okay. Uh, so, okay, the other thing you should know about investments is that you should know something about investments. Okay. Um, <clears throat> it, it, there are some basic concepts about investing and investments. We'll cover a few of them here that everybody should be aware of. Aware of. You know, not everybody listening to me is a financial advisor and is sophisticated in the investment world, but you okay. know, um, if you work with a financial advisor, you ought to be able to understand what they're up to and why, what they're doing. Don't just close your eyes and say, I trust whatever the heck you're doing. You should understand what's going on. So, so as an investor, if you work with an advisor, you have an obligation to understand what they're doing and why because it's your money and you should, okay? Uh, and and that advisor has an obligation to explain to you what the heck they're doing and make sure that you're aware of certain things so that you can be a good investor, okay? Well, okay, uh, if you're on your own and don't use an advisor, that's fine, okay? Okay, there are a whole bunch of things that you need to know and hopefully you do sort of a thing. So I think most folks should be uh, work with an advisor, pardon me for sounding biased, but there's three or four people listening to this radio show probably fit, fit that category. I'm kidding, there's a lots. Uh, but just because you have a financial advisor doesn't excuse you from knowing what's going on and having a handle on it. By the way, when it hits the fan, you'll be a lot more comfortable and understand that it kind of, you know, the reasons for it and you'll probably have enough courage to wait through the bad times to get it over with. So you need to be educated to some level on your investments, okay? Yeah. Okay. So in other words, before you even make the investments, yeah. there should be yeah. a lot of conversations yeah. that have gone on yeah. because it has yeah. to fit yeah. what you need. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. his response, his or yeah. her responsibility to make yeah. sure it fits. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I, you, know, you. You, know, you know, there's some small percentage of folks out there listening to us who have the time and the money and the energy and the expertise and the experience to manage their own affairs. God bless you. Go for it. That's basically not who we're talking to here. There's a whole lot of folks who need some help on the financial front. And the bottom line is, if you have an advisor, great. If you have a tax advisor, great. If you have a, a lawyer, great. You should understand what they're doing and why, and they should have educated you on that to begin with, period. Okay. Okay? Um, what should a person know about developing a strategy for Oh, yeah. Us? Yeah, sorry You about need that. one. Thank you. You need one. Okay. Um, Let's see, how shall I start here? Um, everybody needs a, a strategy, and uh, the, the, the only strategy uh, that everybody should have should be a well-diversified portfolio of different kinds of stock and bond investments, and that that mixture of what percentage stocks and what percentage bonds should be appropriate for your time and circumstances, okay? Okay, you should have an asset allocation, that is your investment strategy, that's the official term. Uh, it's a pie with a bunch of different investment slices. Chances are these days, thankfully, 
if you have a 401k plan, they probably have four or five really colorful pies as investment choices. Uh, here's the conservative pie, and here's the moderate pie, and here's the aggressive pie. But you, you need a combination of different kinds of stocks and bonds in certain percentages, and there are some, some things that have to be done to those th- uh, those stocks and bonds from time to time, okay? Uh, and those strategies are developed by some fairly sophisticated computer logarithms, and any pie that you can find in your 401k, okay, is better than whatever pie you'd come up with for yourself to make some money sort of a thing. So that, that strategy is you need to have an asset allocation. That's the official term. Uh, that's, it happens to be a globally diversified portfolio of stock investments and bond investments in, in the form of mutual funds. Uh, and that those proportions that you started out with you kind of have to keep to them as you go along. You don't want, you know, if 60% of your money is in stocks and you never paid attention to it, next year it might be 70 or 80, and then it kind of gets away from what you own. So you need an appropriate asset allocation, and you need to stick with it is that story, okay? Okay. How do you find uh, people, most people feel about risk? Oh, Okay. <laughs> Risk is in the eye of the beholder. Um, this is this is a toughie. So um, we're required uh, by investment rules regulations to to try and determine the risk tolerance, okay, of our clients, okay, so that we can recommend appropriate investments, okay. Well. If I ask you how risky you are, you want to be, what are you going to say? I want to be conservative. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I, and I think it would vary with like the times. Like if the market is, the market is like soaring. Yeah, then your you, risk tolerance is pretty high, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does vary. Thank, thank you. It, it, it depends when on it's circumstances. Really low, yeah, it, yeah. So, so, first of all. What what is risk to an investor? Okay, well well risk is losing all my money. Okay, that's that's risk. Okay, uh, risk is it going down in value? Well, okay, if you own a diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds, there are going to be dozens of times where it's temporarily down in value between now and the rest of your life. You know those little ups and downs of the financial world. So so pe- people usually define risk as losing all your money or seeing it go down in value. The two, two different things, by the way, okay? Uh, you know, if, if you own one stock and it goes out of business, that's called default risk, okay? That's catastrophic, okay? If e- you own that one if, company. Yeah, so easy enough to protect against that, by the way. Own 500 of them, okay? So, so first of all, what risk means to people, we can explain, they don't really know, and you really don't know until you, you go through it and, and feel it. And, and you're right. Well, during the, during great bull markets, everybody's feeling pretty risky, and I can do this. When the world's coming to an end, everybody's feeling pretty conservative. And that's kind of a fuzzy term anyway, you know, risk and risk tolerance, okay? Um, <clears throat> you, know, the, the, uh, you know, nobody wants to see their investments go down in value. But, folks, that's going to happen hundreds of times between now and the rest of your life temporarily okay as long as they the, the the next time it goes up it's more than the last time it went down you're going to be okay and and that's how life has worked in the financial market so it's a 
an ever-changing term, okay? Um, you know, in the last six or eight weeks, with all the excitement going on in the world, for some reason or other, people started to question their risk comfort level sort of a thing. Well, it's just kind of a natural thing. So it's pretty funny that we're required to determine it because it's such a fuzzy thing. Because okay. it depends on yeah, what yeah, moment in it, time. It, depend, it depends yeah. on people and what moment in yeah. time, uh, and it changes. Uh, so it's all we can do is kind of explain to people, look, you know, we try to manage your accounts so that they go up this much and down this much and percentage-wise, but no more than that. So, you know, we have, we try to, again, this is not guaranteed, but we have like a 60-40 account strategy, and we try to make it not go down any more than 10% in a given year. And when I'm sitting, talking to somebody about that the first time, they're shaking their head, saying, yeah, that's okay. Uh, you know, and then we have one that says, well, this goes up and down, we hope no more than 5%. Well, that's okay. So I'll, I'll buy the 5% one. So you, you got uh, $100,000, okay, um, and you open up the, the, the statement the second month that you have it, and it's $97,000. Some just, people just panic. Lost, just lost three thousand dollars. <laughs> well, it's three percent, but you didn't do the math when you were sitting there. And yeah. I was telling you. So, so it, it, it's we talk about it with our clients every time we meet them because it changes. Right. And there's no rights or wrongs, but but you know what you don't do. What you have to make sure is that if if you say I want to take no risk, I want guaranteed investments. Okay, that's fine. Okay, but if you have to earn five or six percent on your money to retire. You have a problem, okay? So, so people's risk tolerance and what they need to earn or save on their money may may not agree. There could be a little, uh, you know, spread there, uh, and you know. So maybe you have to adjust your risk tolerance a little bit if you want to get to where you want to go. So. You know, a, a very, okay. very fuzzy topic always to be discussed from our point of view. Right. Again. And this next one, I think, really plays into that. Yeah. How much time do you need to invest? Because Ooh, yeah. I think oh, time yeah. is, yep. Yep. time's the big word in investing yeah. as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Yeah. So. Um, give it time. Yep. Yep. Give it time. Okay. Um, where shall I start on this? Uh, let's see. Yep, you, you, we need you to be a long-term investor. Okay, so um, I, I, actually, I know what. Let's try it this way. Okay, <clears throat> so let's pretend uh, you just bought one stock of a company that just went public for the first time. It's like a brand new company, and they do whatever. Okay, and so you buy that stock, <clears throat> and I'm going to say, you want that company's going to grow, right? You plan to make some money on that. So I'm going to ask you, how long do you think it takes a company to grow and be successful? What's your what's your estimate of a time frame? Um, I don't know. Couple, five, ten years. Couple weeks. <laughs> five, 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 ten years. Thank you. Maybe longer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I mean, if if you think about companies and how long companies you know, everybody starts small, and if they grow, they yeah. become successful. Well, how long does that take? It takes a really, really long time, okay, P period, okay? Uh, and so if you buy a bunch of companies, you know, if you bought the, the S&P 500 Vanguard stock fund, you just owned the 500 biggest companies of America. If, if you bought it January 1st, why are you checking your statement January 31st? 
what do you mean? You, 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 you understand they need five or ten years to work. Why, why are you looking at it? So there's a pretty significant, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, contrast is easy, but that, that, doesn't, that doesn't compute. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but that's how, how we're wired in terms of where that is. Um, th- there's a, a lot of uh, charts out there in the investment world, and we do th- some of those in some of the educational pieces we do with clients, but the longer you go, the, e- the easier it gets. Uh, a, 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 another, another way to kind of describe that, and it's tough, uh, it's tough over the radio uh, to do stuff like that, but so we have this wonderful chart from the Putnam uh, Corporations called Investment uh, uh, Gains, basically. I forget the official name, but it shows the stock market and when it's done since 1949. And it has reds when things go down and greens when things go up, and then grays when the greens keep on going. <clears throat> and that chart, folks, it goes northeast. Okay? That's mm. an investor's favorite direction. And if you look but at... But not the, in a straight line. That's right. But if you look over 70 or 80 years, it looks looks like a fairly straight line with some bumps. If you magnify that into any five-year period, those bumps look like heart-stopping, ups and downs sort of a thing. So, so okay, there's a lot of... If you, if you started at the... Let's pretend we meet and it's um, March 6th, 2009. By the way, the world was coming to an end for two, two, for 18 months, starting in October of 2007, and the the low of the end of the world, <clears throat> so the end of the end of the world <laughs> was basically March 9th of 2009. If if we met on two, March of 2009, and you were stupid enough to invest money when the world was coming to an end, I'm being facetious. Okay, it, yeah. it, it was a perfect time to invest money. Because we haven't had a down for nine years, okay? So your investment time frame... Oh, wow. So you bought more than... Pretty easy, right? Yeah. If I met you October of 2007, and if you stayed invested... You know, you needed uh, you know to 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 go go down that down, and get through the next up that got you higher. That might have been four or five, six years. You know, if, if you met, and by the way, if you had a balanced portfolio, and and rebalanced it, okay. Uh, if if we met on in some yeah in like October of two thousand and seven, okay, it took you like five years to make three or four percent. Okay. Oh, well, so that's patience. So you ha- yeah, okay. Um, th- there's a there's a lot of charts that say look at the rolling ten year periods of the U.S. stock market, and like some small percentage of the time, if you own stocks for ten years, you didn't make out make very much money or you lost. But I, I don't think there's ever been a fifteen year period. So if you're going to be a stock investor, you need like fifteen years if you want to be on the prudent side. Um, I, I I would say to people, uh, and, and I do very comfortably. Your investment time frame is the rest of your life, and I don't care if you're 90. Okay, it's it's okay. it's the rest of your life, sort of a thing. So so, <clears throat> when we have uh, these portfolios that that uh, you know get bigger in risk, we have you know 100% stocks, 75% stocks, 60, 40, and 20. Those are the percentage of stocks in the portfolio, and and uh, the trick is that you you uh, you you know. I think that if you're uh, basically just turned 50, I, I, I think you should have 100% of your money in stocks till you get to age 50. Uh, why? Because 
it, there's no 15-year period of time, okay, where stocks ever lost money. So if you start investing in your 20s, you've got plenty of time, okay? But as you get closer to the time you retire and you start taking money, you've got to kind of cut down that volatility sort of a thing. So, you know, I, I say to folks, you know, if, if you've got at least 10 years, you can own all stocks at least. Uh, if you've got seven or eight years, I'm okay with you owning 75% stocks. If you've got five or six years, I'm okay with you owning 60% stocks. So so okay. there, there, there is a connection to the volatility of this stuff and when you need your money sort of a thing. Okay, So you kind of have to you know, think, yes, it's my lifetime, but I may need different levels of that as I go along uh, because the risk is that when you start taking money from your portfolio, it's more vulnerable to downturns okay and you don't have as long to take it out and as long to recover sort of a thing so okay. you have to be mindful of that is what i'm saying so but but you know if i had my way everybody in the world will get one year-end statement for all their investments not monthly okay the, the you know the securities exchange commission in its wisdom requires uh, the financial industry to to send folks monthly statements of all their stuff how on god's green earth do you teach people to be long-term investors when you smash their statement in front of them every month and they oh. can see that their investments well how how do you create a long-term investor if you actually look at your monthly statement because you know, there'll be times it'll go up and there'll be times it'll go down so how, how do you do that that's that just doesn't just doesn't add up okay so having enough time okay that's kind of an investment mixture stuff but don't get confused, folks. Your investment time frame is the rest of your life. You know, we have folks in their late 80s, and there are two or three of their investments that are 100% stocks because they're leaving it to their kids. And sure. They're, and they're buckled up sort of a thing. Yeah. So it's, you know, but almost everybody doesn't invest or doesn't think they should invest for as long as they need to invest to have good success. We're, 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 we're forever you know, it's, it's telling people you just need to have some time to make this work. Sometimes if we started just when things got good, that time is short. If we started with somebody where things got bad, we've got to walk them through five, six, seven, eight years, okay, before it actually works. That's nothing we did. That was the timing to begin with sort of a thing. So if you started at a bad time, your just time frame just got longer, and as long as you had it, it'll be okay. That's my official, not guaranteed, but I'm pretty comfortable with that statement. Okay. Okay. Right. People always yeah. get well. Let's see. How are we doing? Oh, you got to yeah. be quick. Okay. People get nervous because the stock market is always going up and down. Yeah, because you know they don't think that the down is ever coming back up again. Sort of a thing. Yeah. Okay. I okay. could see that. Yeah, right. And, and that right. goes back to the big picture about believing in companies earning yeah. money and capitalism and the future of the world. They, they, they you know, <clears throat> that that's the the volatility that we talk about. I've never met a person in my 39 years in this business who had any problem with upward volatility in their portfolio. <laughs> Just want to be clear about that. Okay. Right. It's not that upward volatility. That's no. <laughs> and okay. People don't even associate going up with <laughs> no, volatility. No, no, no. The word doesn't apply. Could, yeah, I can Get see that. Get me some that. of that, right? Yeah, right. I can so, see that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Uh, see, because they just don't believe in the cycle. Okay, well, they, did, they, they need to get educated that stuff goes up or down. Okay, uh, you know, the, in, it, it's, it's just hilarious, but, you know, we, uh, 
when we report uh, investment performance to our clients, we report it in great detail, yada, yada, yada. But at the bottom of the page, we have this blue investment chart that shows where their money's going. So it's, it's like a one-pager, how am I doing sort of a thing. And you see this blue-mounded chart that goes northeast, thankfully, in most cases. In fact, okay, and, and it just shows you that your money's gaining momentum over time. But if you look at that chart, there's all these little bumps and bruises, you know. And I had two or three folks I got a little concerned. Uh, end of October, I gave a call and and, and uh, basically said, "Geez, I'm I'm down X thousands of dollars." Well, let me check. Yeah, you're down two percent. No, I'm down X thousands of dollars. <laughs> no, no, you're down two percent. Okay. Uh, and sometimes, if you think in percentages, it's a little less scary than dollars. Okay. Uh, but it it's just. It just comes with a deal. You know, the deal. The, the volatility is how you get paid in this business. It just comes with the deal. You can't do anything about it. You have to be prepared for it, be diversified, do a little rebalancing. We'll talk about that maybe. But you, you, you know, what are you going to do? We already did it. You're prepared for this. Sit back. Let us do our work. Okay. Be patient. We told you there's some times when you're going to have to wait it out, and that's that's how it is. But it's certainly. It's certainly long, okay, uh, sometimes, and we have our work cut out for us because we never know when we meet somebody for the first time, what time is it? Where are, where are we in the cycle? You know, kind of okay. interesting, yeah. How about developing an investment philosophy or a doctrine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is going to sound, I don't know, hokey, um, almost like religious, I guess, but if you're an investor, you've you got to believe in some, something or some things. you gotta, you got to have a philosophy. I, I, I don't know all the right words to describe it, but you know, you got to have faith, okay? When, when you put your money to work, you have to have faith in something or you, you shouldn't have done that, okay? You know, you, you got to have something behind you to back up what you put your money in and if you're investing in a diversified stock portfolio you know your 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 doctrine or your philosophy is that capitalism is okay it's going to continue and even though not all companies survive they go out of business if i own three or four thousand companies in my portfolio and by the way most folks do if they have a very well if i own three or four thousand companies okay across the world i guess my my religious doctrine for investing is that if Global capitalism continues on. Um, most of those companies are going to be okay, and I'll play the odds. And, and that's what you believe. Okay, and sometimes um, that belief system or that faith, well, just like religion, will be extremely challenged. You know, mm, a, a loved, be tested. One, a loved mm -hmm. one dies. You wonder about, you know, God and that stuff. Well, well, it, w the end of the world comes when it comes to an investment. You know, I mean, the Dow, jo you know, the Dow Jones Industrial it Average is down 50%. The world is coming to an end. <laughs> faith will be tested, folks, yeah. okay? Yeah. And those who had faith prospered, and those who did not, did not, okay? So sometimes that's all you got to go on, okay? All right. Pretty, so pretty close. We got one Pretty more. close. Okay, it's tough. It. Is okay. it tough for folks to be feel good about the future at uh, times? Not, not me. Okay, there's a... Okay. okay um, you know, would you rather have been born when we when we were born, same day, same year, May 21st? Would you rather have been born May 21st, 1948, or May 21st of the year zero, you know, 2,000 years ago? P probably not, right? Why? Why would, you know, quality of life? If people, all the news is negative, we'll take a break very shortly, but the, the short story is if you look back on your life, your life now is better than it was when you were born. And if you look by, back on life on the planet, 
five, ten years ago, thirty years ago, fifty years ago, a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago. Generally speaking, the quality of life for humans inhabiting this planet has been significantly improved. And sometimes we just kind of miss that whole picture. So anybody who's skeptical about the future of the world doesn't know much history about the past. And I guess I'll think I'll leave on that kind of summary comment. Okay, Michael, it's time for a break. By the way, how much money is in the checking account? My daughter wants a pair of shoes that have those little wheels built in to make them skates. I told her she has to wait until her birthday, which is 167 days away, an eternity for a six-year-old. This idea of delayed gratification is all too uncommon in our society, but is an underlying theme with the clients that I work with. Not many people can build a nest egg and thus a secure financial future by being impulsive. This is Alyssa McNamara-Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Give me a call if I can help you with your delayed gratification, which I'm sure will be worth the wait. You own a business, or you're running a nonprofit or a municipality, and you just might be somewhat overwhelmed with all the changes in state health care law, federal mandates, rules governing retirement, employee benefits. For instance, do your employees understand the value and costs of their current benefits? Oh, and by the way, what about tomorrow's changes in state and federal policy? Keeping up is a full-time job. You have better things to do. Gallagher Benefits of Boston and Quincy are benefits experts. To be somewhat formal, Gallagher Benefits offers strategic consulting that assists employers in providing wellness and health promotion programs and offers advisory services to provide insight, understanding, and answers. Let Gallagher handle the headaches. Visit the web at AJG.com. Leave the aspirin on the shelf. AJG.com. Hi, this is Mike McNamara with McNamara Financial Services in Marshfield. Folks want an advisor they can trust and who cares about them. Finding that person takes some work. Where do you start? Well, I think you should listen to Alyssa, Kirk, and me every Saturday morning from 8 to 10 a.m. here on WATD. It's an easy way to get to know us. One of us could be that advisor you're looking for. We're local and we're a family business. 781-834-2010 or McNamaraFinancial.com. We're back and you are listening to McNamara on Money here on WATD. Get back to work, dear. Okay, we're back indeed. Uh, This is McNamara on Money, and we are a call-in financial talk show. So please give us a call with any questions or comments at 781-837-4900. And before we get back to our topics here, let's give a uh, talk a little bit about the Marshfield Food Pantry. And they need our help in these difficult times, and many families rely on on this food pantry in our community. So help them out if you can with a donation of food or money. You can send your tax-deductible donation to the Marshfield Food Pantry, P.O. Box 1907, here in Marshfield, 02050. Or drop off your donations at their location in the Library Plaza in downtown Marshfield. Visit them on the web at marshfieldfoodpantry.org. Coming up here on McNamara on Money next week, December 8th, the topic is insurance in all its beauty. I've never heard that uh, <laughs> phrase before, that's but it's be a good a, one. That's be your it's a good one. Phraseology. <laughs> Join Kirk and Alyssa as they discuss the importance and benefits of life and disability insurance. And the following week on December 15th, 
Michael will be hosting, correct? And your topic will be charitable organizations. Tis the season of giving. His special guests will be from the Marshfield Food Pantry, the Road to Responsibility, the Boys and Girls Clubs of Marshfield, and the Marshfield Community Christmas. Tune in to learn about the importance that these organizations provide for our town. Already, By the way, I, I forgot to tell you, when, when we come back and you start talking, it would be okay to say your name so people know oh, who you are. Oh, well, yes. Okay, this is Pamela McNamara. There you go. See, that, it's, uh, that's <laughs> Sitting here with Michael this morning. Thank you, thank you. Okay, folks, uh, so the way we, uh, the, the general topic today is uh, misperceptions, mistakes, and bad habits. Uh, we spent the first two half hours of this show talking about from the financial planning side. Uh, we spent the second two half hours of this show talking about investments and uh, the the first investment uh, session I would loosely call the big picture the current investment session that we're on okay uh, is uh, basically investments and strategy so we get into some of the nitty-gritty stuff here in the last half an hour uh, and again this is a call-in talk radio show our telephone number is 781-837-4900 we'd be happy to chat with you if you have any comments on uh, what we're talking about here but anyway so this podcast is basically investments and strategy okay we're down in the trenches we've got some money invested uh, what are we doing here okay right how do you evaluate your investments okay well here's a bad habit uh, we, we just touched on that a little while ago yes uh, I check my statement from month to month okay yeah, yeah, good way to make yourself crazy folks okay uh, put plain and simple uh, you know in let's see I'll make a generic statement so US stock market was down about six percent in uh, October okay um, if you had a 50-50 stock and bond portfolio, you're down about three. Okay, folks? Okay. Uh, and, you know, let's see. If you had a $500,000 portfolio on uh, September 30th, okay, you, you, you basically had a $485,000 portfolio on October uh, October 31st, okay? I'm down 15... I'm, I'm, I've lost $15,000. Well, you haven't lost anything until you sold it, so you're... Right. I, I like to say you're temporarily down $15,000. We, you, You'll lose it if you sell it. I, we can guarantee that. But if you hang on it, it might go temporarily back up again, okay, so, sort of a thing. So uh, so it'll make you crazy. And, again, if you, if you are going to check your statements from month to month and if you get a little nervous about the dollars down, do a percentage. Maybe it'll make you feel a bit better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you mean I'm down 3%? You're down 3%. And by the way, we, we told you this portfolio will get down 10 in any given 12 months. Hey, well, this is great. It's only down 3. Any other questions? I mean, you you got to kind of put things in perspective for folks because it's easy to lose perspective. So, 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 and by the way, if you do check your statement every month, just make sure you don't do anything as a result of checking it, okay, like changing your strategy. If you have a question or a concern, you pick up the telephone if, and you call your financial advisor if you have one and kind of go from there, folks. That's how it works. Right. So, so You don't want to change it, I wouldn't think, if if your circumstances haven't changed and your yeah. goals yeah. haven't changed. Yeah. Yeah. You certainly can't change these your yeah. strategy on a monthly basis. Yeah, fortunately, we have precious few uh, nervous clients because we think we like to think we train them well and uh, whatever but we had you know in, in two or three or four meetings I've had in October uh, I had a question well you know we, yeah we're down th 
3%. We're down 4% on your portfolio for the month. Uh, sorry about that or whatever. Uh, and and the question is, well, what are you going to do about it? And my answer would be, well, we already did it. You have a diversified portfolio. It's appropriate for your circumstances. We told you you needed to do it for a long time. We told you it was going to go down X amount in value and hopefully no more. Uh, we told you that we're going to rebalance this portfolio from time to time to make it work. And uh, you got to do your share. So we already did it. All you got to do is sit back and uh, try to relax. Okay? Mm. Okay. Um what investment return should you expect? Ooh. Oh, 15, 20 percent, something like that. You can expect <laughs> remember, anything you I remember, want, <laughs> I do remember the days when that was happening. That was a five and year, people thought yeah, it would yeah, go forever. Yeah, yeah, there was a five-year time frame from roughly 95 to 99. Yeah. The world could do no wrong. And oh. Everybody was a savvy stock investor, folks. And everybody's risk tolerance was, it was a risk on uh, atmosphere, as we call these days, okay? The, everybody was brave and comfortable with the world. But anyway, so <clears throat> what kind of return should you expect on your money? Well, you should have an expected return if you put your money to work, okay? And uh, if you're working with a financial advisor and you have a certain asset allocation, uh, n- not only should you kind of have a range of what you hope to earn, you know, in, in that, uh, but you should also have a range of how much it's excitement you should experience while you're hoping to earn whatever you're hoping to earn. So as an example, and, and certainly not guaranteed, you know, w- we, we think a 60-40 portfolio that we manage hopefully will earn somewhere between a 5 and a 7% return over the long term, uh, and hopefully will go down in value no more than 10% in a 12-month period of time. Okay, so that's th- those are the expectations. So, so, so you know, you, you should have, wherever you put your money to work, folks, you should have an expectation of what it should earn. It should be a range because, let's face it, nobody can be that precise. Uh, and it's as simple as that. You, you, you know, you, you may also have, uh, well, we'll get to that. But so, so yeah, you should, you should have an idea what you're going to earn, period. Okay. Okay, what if someone is unhappy with their investment performance? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> um, well, uh, by the way... Doesn't we, that depend on yeah. whether they're unhappy month to month or yeah, after yeah. 10 years? Yeah, uh, actually, let me back up. I forgot to answer one more part of the last question there. The, 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 uh, the, the other uh, part of you should have an expected return okay, is what return do you need? Okay, um, when you put your money to work, you should have an expectation of what it's going to earn, but that expectation should hopefully line up with what it is that you need to earn to go forward. We have a caller. Let's go to uh, Angela in Plymouth. Good morning, Angela. How are you today? Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Sure, what's going on? Um, So I have a question. I was recently laid off at my job, and um, I would love advice and some guidance on if I should leave my 401k at my current employer, or do I wait for my next employer and roll it over, or should I move it out now and and um you know do something with it oh great 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 question by the way okay so so first of all so um so did did you have an advisor you spoke with uh from time to time on the existing 401k that you have yes they would come to work okay well one of the things that you might want to do is have a conversation with that person uh, you know, now that you, you know, ha- have you talked with that person in the last year or so or six months or three months? When was the last time? Uh, probably with 
Sometime in the third quarter. Yeah, okay, good. All right, so if you talked to that person recently, so, so the, the portfolio you have is probably appropriate, you're both happy with the mixture and all that good stuff, so you can certainly leave it there, okay? Um, probably, okay, when you get to the, are you, have you got to the new employer yet? By the way, not yet. Yeah, okay. Still in transition. Yeah. Yeah. So, so by the way, there there may be a t period of time where you have to wait to participate in the new employer. Uh, so you might need to have to find that out. Okay. okay. Uh, and if there's not a time. I think you'd want to do a sit-down uh, with the folks at Human Resources, find out how it works, and then have a meeting with whatever advisor is responsible for the new one, okay, and, and kind of figure out where that goes, sort of a thing. So find out, you know, what the options are in the new place, talk to the new connected financial advisor, and at least you have a couple of different opinions about where you should go, and you've got some hopefully reasonably intelligent people giving you those thoughts. So any, any questions so far? Oh, great. No, thank you so much. Yeah, that that's probably, uh, so the, the, the best thing to do probably, if you have a good selection and good funds in the new places to fold it up, but maybe the new place is a bunch more, you know, by the way, have the other, the first guy take a look at what the second guy recommended and vice versa. Then you got two two opinions about things. And you okay, got, is there some, anything I have to do in the meantime at all? Uh, no, they'll, they'll, um, did they give you X amount of time before they boot you out there? Did they tell you anything about how long you could leave it there before they would send it out, or do you know? What it sounds like it's indefinite that I could leave it yeah. forever and even open up, you know, a second four hundred one k with a new employer. Yeah, yeah. J just check to see if that's the case. So you know, you got two different people potentially can give you some opinions, and that's good. the The third, the third answer is that uh, if if you do have a financial advisor of your own, that's not advisor number one or advisor number two if you're comfortable with that person rope that person into the deal and ask them what they think and then you can get three opinions about how oh, well that great. works yeah and then then kind of sift and sort from there but you don't have to leave probably uh but get yourself a couple of different opinions and see where it goes okay great thank you so much for your help and have a happy holiday hey, same to you and listen by the way give us a call sometime and, and by the way in a week or two or three if uh, you're confused about what you were told give us a call maybe we can sort through it for you okay oh great thank you so much merry christmas to yourself take care right. merry christmas bye bye-bye all righty did how that sound for an answer that sound okay no. that sounded good i yeah. i had a question though sure. within uh some 401ks are there stocks in the company itself that say let's say that whatever company she was working yeah. for did they make stock in that company part of the 401k that's a possibility yes okay okay just curious about good question that. All right. um, future, what if someone is unhappy huh? you have a future in this business yeah what what if someone <laughs> <laughs> I gave up my future in this business what if someone in, is unhappy with their investment performance well you know uh, maybe you had unrealistic expectations ah. to begin with perhaps you were not educated to begin with so if you're okay so there, there's there are some reasons you may well be justified in being unhappy there are probably some reasons that you are maybe unjustified in being unhappy. So let me speak with the unjustified reasons. If you were educated about what you got involved in to begin with, and if uh, the performance is within the expectations of what you thought you were going to do, if it's down 3% in a 60-40 portfolio over the last 12 months, get over it would be my basic strategy. So, so you know, if the reasons are 
that you didn't know about it or whatever, then that's one thing. However, you know, if, if you're looking at, and you have to be careful about performance, okay, but if you're looking at an investment performance and then you decide you're going to look someplace else or maybe you have another investment already that is someplace else that's doing better, you got to be careful about comparing apples to apples, Okay, and I, I see. Okay, I have lots of clients uh, who have 401ks at their uh, place of work that we do not manage uh, yet or ever. Okay, and and once in a while they say, I'll say, well, you know, can I? Uh, and we take a look at them and help them out with them. And how's it doing? Oh, it's doing great. Okay, and it's doing better than yours. Okay, well, if they have the exact same portfolio, and if it's in the exact same time frame. Okay, and if both portfolios, if there's a reason that's an underperformance that might be due to a bad performance of something inside there and or a higher cost in one than the other, so there are some perfectly good reasons for not okay. being happy with your portfolio. So like anything else, it depends on, on, on what's going on, but, but make sure that if you are going to compare, comparing performance is always dangerous short term anyway. Okay, uh, so to, and also be be careful in a time frame. If if you're comparing performance for the month, yeah, not a good thing. If you're comparing over a year or two, okay, that's 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 more fair given the circumstances. If you have two investments, ask the people who are managing each of them the reasons for that and make your decisions from there. Okay. All right. What if your expectations are reasonable, but the returns are negative? Okay. Uh, if the returns are negative and within bounds for the portfolio volatility expectations, deal with it. Okay. Uh, a, 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 end of story. You know, if, you know, if, if you have a 60-40 portfolio and it's down 5% in the last 12 months, that's well within the bouncing up and down parameters of a 60-40 portfolio. It comes with the deal. You don't have to like it, but you do have to deal with it by waiting it out until, you know, you're, you're, you're in bounds in terms of what your investment's doing. Yeah. Period. Okay. Okay. So all you have to do is get rid of the investments with negative returns. Would you say that's a good strategy? No, no. And, and let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's just wipe them right out. Now we're going to talk about asset allocations and okay. the strategy in general. Okay, so so that that pie that we talked about a couple segments ago, diversified stock for stock and bond portfolio, probably got six or seven different slices in your investment pie, all pretty different colors and all that good stuff, okay? Um, that pie is put together, okay, uh, because investments don't travel in the same cycles. You know, when, when international stocks are doing this, U.S. stocks may be doing that or vice versa. So the, the deal with your asset allocation is to have unrelated investments. They're called uncorrelated investments that go in different time frames, okay? If you have seven investments oh, in your okay. portfolio and they're all going up together and all going down together, you, you don't have a diversified portfolio, okay? The idea behind a diversified portfolio is you always want to have something that's going to go the opposite way or a different way than some of your other investments so that if you, if, if you had all stocks and it goes down 50%, then you're down 50%. If you had all stocks, if 50% bonds and 50% stocks, well, first of all, you're own, only down 25%, and that's why you had the mixture to begin with. So, so oh, I see. you need to have investments that go in different cycles, 
And at any given time, you can look at a portfolio. If you had 10, if you had a well-diversified portfolio with, say, 10 pieces, at any given time, two or three of those pieces would look like home runs, and two of those pieces, three of those pieces would be miserable and losing money, and the rest of them would be doing what they're supposed to be doing. And if you look at it three or four months later, some of those pieces kind of change places. Okay. So, so if you have an asset allocation and you don't have some negative performance, you don't have a diversified enough por por uh, portfolio. It's like pl plain and simple. That sounds weird, but it's true. Okay? Any questions it, about no, that? No, it does sound weird until you explain that if they all go down at the same time. Then people are going to bail out, go to the bank and shoot themselves cow. in the foot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, so at any given time, you're going to have some negative performance in your portfolio, hopefully, because that's how it is. That's what the, That was the plan. What it does, okay, what that means is that when things are negative, hopefully you've got some other things that are positive that either results in a positive return or are less of a negative return okay. sort of a thing. Okay. And don't, do, I shouldn't say don't, but um, does the diverse, does diversification mean also, let's just look at stocks and say, well, I'll invest some stocks, I'll buy international stocks, I'll buy foreign stocks. Ge is that Geography is one spread. Okay. Size. Size of the is companies another. is another one. Yeah. So they don't, they won't all drop or rise at the same time, will they? Uh, or? When the world falls apart, they all do at the same time for a little while. Okay. But the ones that were cheap beforehand come back faster than the ones okay. that were expensive. So, so in the very short term, month two, three, four, yep, but not over the long run. No, not over okay. the long run. Okay. All right. What okay. do you? Oh yeah. One, one other quick thing, uh, folks. If you have an asset allocation, hopefully your portfolio is being rebalanced. Okay. Uh, rebalancing means putting it back together. Okay. What does that mean? Okay. Two investments. I have sixty percent of my money in a stock fund and 40% of my money in a bond fund, okay? You invest $100,000. A year from now, you got $110,000. You look at the math, you're very happy, you're up 10%. Yeah, but now you have 70% stocks and 30% bonds. What do you want to do? Wow. Yeah, Put more some, in the buy, stocks. Buy some more right. stocks, right? <laughs> exactly. No, 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 no. <laughs> what, what did you buy? You bought a 60-40. What okay. Do you, what do you got? Because because you, you determined what, that that's what that, you would need. Yeah, that was the risk and re re reward parameter that you used. If you bought a sixty forty and you got a seventy thirty, you need to put it back to a sixty forty, not make it an eighty twenty. That wasn't the plan. The asset allocation is the plan. It's the strategy, and that means, by the way, if a piece, if your if your sixty percent piece goes to seventy. Okay, once a year, take, make it back to 60, put that, wait a minute, I sold something after it went up? Yes. I bought something after it went down? Yes. That'll probably come out in the wash over the long run, and, and more than likely will. Okay. okay. All right. What if uh, I'm not happy because my, my investments are not doing as well as the market? Well, if oh. you had 100% stocks in your portfolio and you're comparing it to the U.S. market, well, you may have a case for complaining about that. If your portfolio is 50% stocks and 50% bonds and you're not doing well as the U.S. stock market, I, you probably shouldn't be surprised about that, <laughs> right? Okay, well, well, wait a minute. I am all stocks and, and the U.S. stocks are doing better than, than, you know, my international stocks. And my answer to that would be this week or this, okay. this month or this year. 
not over the rest of your life. If the return on high-quality international stocks has been the same as the return on high-quality U.S. stocks over very long periods of time. And by okay. the way, the return on emerging market stocks has been higher than both over very long periods of time. Period. Okay. okay. Uh, I never want to touch capital. What do you say to people Ooh, when they say that? Uh, well, that's a good plan, but you might not pull it off. And if you can't, don't worry about it. Okay. Really? Yeah, sure. Well, think, think about Why this. Why is that? All right, so, all right. So let's pretend that you know that you need to take, uh, I'll make this easy, $4,000 a year from your investment pot. Okay. okay. Let's pretend your investment pot is $100,000. I remember that. Okay. All right. Well, um, if you can earn 4% on the money on average, and you're taking 4% okay. out, then you just so preserve your capital. Yeah, okay. okay. Well, what what if your retirement pot was $100,000 and you needed to take $8,000 a year out? I'd say you and, better grow, and, and you grow keep, your money faster. But, but, okay, let, let, me, let me make it 10%. Let me take it 10000 okay, okay. By the way, maybe it's not realistic to grow your money faster. Maybe a 10% return. If your risk level says you, you're comfortable earning four or five, okay, right. but you have to earn 10 on your money, okay, or stop spending money, what are you going to do? I mean, the math doesn't add up, right? Right. Yeah, okay, doesn't so, it depend on... Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, people don't want to run out of their money when they get old, especially. They, they, right, but if they, but if they could spend their capital and die on time, that would be okay, right? Yeah. I, I say that, not meant to be cruelly, but that's, think about right. that. Okay. Right, so, so as it, long it, as it lasts. Yeah, yeah. So, so think about this way. So all you have to do in life is to save enough money in your investment pot so that you only take out 4 or 5% when you retire. And that okay. 4 or 5% has to equal the expenses you need. Well, how many people do you think can do that? I don't know. They need to, you know, 4%. Okay. It, it, probably it, not pr me. Probably not many. Okay. Okay. So my, my point is that we work with a lot of motivated people, and there's a good percentage of those that didn't save enough money to just live off their earnings and interest. They have to spend their capital as well, and that's okay. Okay. As okay. long as you're careful about that and be mindful. Okay. We yes, you're cutting into your kids' inheritance, but uh, your life is being preserved the way you want it. So it's okay to spend investment capital. All right. Two or three quick ones. I'll do this fast. Go All ahead. right. Well. I don't know. You pick here. So what's hot now in the investment world? Don't People even, come in? Yeah, nothing's hot. You don't own anything that's hot because right after you bought it, it'll go cold. So forget about the hot investment. Own a bunch of them. Okay? Okay. Two or three of my friends suggested I should invest in pork bellies. There you go. That's one of those hot investment things. We, we're going to have to pack, pack it in here. Let me see here. Uh... Let's see. The grand summary here, folks, uh, have a diversified asset allocation. Rebalance it every once in a while. Don't concerned if uh, don't get concerned if two or three of your investments at any given time are losing money. That's part of your plan. Uh, don't get greedy and don't get, don't get uh, greedy. Don't get greedy. All right. Let's. Uh, that's it. We're done here, folks. Uh, my name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara and on money. This is Pamela McNamara. Thank you for listening. All right. Have a great day and happy holidays and Merry Christmas. Mm -hmm.